Nielsen, we have a podcast. Diving, diving deep. Diving deep into all things Texas, both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General, Sean McClain. Welcome, welcome to Utopia. Hey, everybody. Welcome in. It is the Utopia Football Podcast with yet another last second down to the wire Texans game in a game that to me will go down as D'Amico Ryan's signature win of this season in all likelihood. We'll see what the last three games and maybe the postseason have to uh, or have in store for us. But today, a huge, huge win that the Texans got in Nashville, 19 to 16 on the final play of the game in overtime. A Kaimi Fairbairn, welcome back, dude. 54 yard field goal to win the game for the Texans. Case Keenum at quarterback, missing all kinds of players and the Texans with the gutsiest win in the history of their franchise, in my opinion, at least that I've seen. Huge gutsy win today for them in Nashville. Welcome in, everybody. It's the Utopia Football Podcast. I'm Sean Pendergast alongside, well, Sean Pendergast, part of Payne and Ken, Pendergast Sports Radio 610 Mornings, alongside the Hall of Famer, my good friend, and our senior columnist at SportsRadio610.com, John McClain. John, I am exhausted after that game today in Nashville. I can only imagine how the players feel after this game. Well, one thing I know they feel probably exuberant after getting a win. Maybe even you could qualify it as stealing a win in Nashville today. I love the way the Texans put the video out. They got there in there with D'Amico and the players right after the game where we can't go. I love to see it when D'Amico's talking to the players, giving out his game ball. He gave it to Kaimi Fairbairn for his incredible performance. But D'Amico's just got something special in the staff it's nine of the last 10 decided in the last 30 seconds they're six and three they're two and two on field goals with no time left on the clock and with all those players out sean i think the spread ended up being what three and a half you i picked the texans to win by i think uh three or four on our utopia football podcast then i dropped it down to 13 to 12 and they just smashed my over under And uh, it was a remarkable win under the circumstances. No Stroud, no Collins. We already knew Tank Dell was out. George Fant went out, and I thought Charlie Heck had a heck of a game. And then on defense, of course, Will Anderson Jr., Blake Cashman weren't there. Jimmy Ward went out first quarter, and they played their most dominating physical defensive game of the season. They just – they did stuff to Derrick Henry that's never been done. Yeah, John, Derrick Henry in this game had 16 carries for nine yards. I will remind people, and you brought up this stat uh, earlier this week on this podcast, that since 2019, I believe it spans five games because there was one year where they didn't face face Derrick Henry one year uh, because of injuries, but five games in which he had rushed for over 1,000 yards total in those five games. He averaged over 200 yards against the Texans over their last five games against each other two touchdowns in each of those games. John, I there's there, there's no way to spin 16 carries for 9 yards if you're the Titans, but I will say like I there were some runs that were so well diagnosed and well played by the Texans. It looked like it looked like they were pulling a Harbaugh and had all the signals for the Titans on the other sideline. This Texans defense after that first drive, they were on point the entire day. Uh, the entire day. They had 200 the day the Titans had 204 yards total in this game 83 of them came on the opening drive so they over the course of the entire rest of the game and overtime there were 10 extra minutes in this game the Tennessee Titans gained a total 
of 121 yards from scrimmage. And I'll point out too, John, where if you know if you're the Titans, you go, okay, well, Derrick Henry, we're just not feeling it with the running game today because that's been the case a lot this year. Derrick Henry's not had a great season. Um, at least maybe we can move it through the air with DeAndre Hopkins. Nope, sorry. Two catches, 21 yards, and DeAndre, boy, I don't know, John. He was hearing footsteps on one of those drives down the stretch there on a third down where the Texans were able to get off the field, and DeAndre kind of took his eye off the ball because he heard some footsteps, little gator arms going on, little T-Rex arms going on for DeAndre Hopkins. Um, that was a little surprising, I thought. I, am I being unfair? You knew the play I'm talking about, John, where it bounced off his shoulder pad like he wasn't even looking at the quarterback. He was watching who was about to hit him. He was targeted seven times and had two catches, and one of them was a long completion that Jalen Petrie did a good job of dislodging it just enough to hit the ground. And uh, another thing about Derrick Henry, besides averaging 203.6 yards and 7.1 a carry in those last five games, he caught four passes for one yard. The linebackers who were terrible in coverage against the Jets, especially Christian Harris, they caught well, tackled well. I don't know what they were feeding those guys this week, but they were physical. Now, they've got an injury-plagued offensive line like the Texans do, but they just beat them up. You know, they, I guarantee you the Titans are going to be sore for the next few days, and they beat up Will Levis. They, I think, they hit, knocked him down. Quarterback hits are knockdowns. Knocked him down 11 times, sacked him seven times, and they had 12 tackles for loss. By comparison, uh, the Texans had four sacks. One was on that failed Hail Mary by Davis Mills in the first half, and another one's when Keenum held the ball too long. So he really, the line was responsible for two, both by Juice Scruggs against Nico Autry. But the run, the run blocking was good. Pass protection, for the most part, was good. And Case did a great job off schedule. That 15-yard pass to Dalton Schultz, in which he made a great play on a 15-yard gain to the three, preceding their only touchdown. And then when he rolled out and scrambled and threw that pass down the field, Devin Singletary went for 41s. I'd love to see Singletary get credit for that 34-yard touchdown in overtime. Mm, but, yeah. but Mechie was holding, but uh, it was more dramatic with Fairbairn coming in from 54, and it looked like he could have made it from 64. Yeah, Fairbairn looks good, man. He looked good coming back. So that was uh, that was that was great to see. It's it's going to be John. I, I think through this game, and I know it's a game where they only scored 19 points, but they were really depleted offensively of weapons and and, and you know getting a, getting Case Keenum ready to play this week, um, which was I think a surprise to a lot of us when that news broke on Saturday. That it was going to be Case. Yeah, I, I was too. Just because you just don't ever see that a guy's a backup all year long. He's your backup, but they switch it around and they put Case in there. And I think I, I and it, obviously it ends up working. They win the football game. I, I, but I do. I even feel like there were certain instances in that game. I'm like, okay, I don't know that Davis is making that play. The case just made some of the off schedule stuff, some of the touch throws, things like that. Placement of ball at times. I think you know that's not Davis's strongest suit. Um, so this was John. I mean, no other way to put it. This was. I, I think it's the gutsiest win that I've ever seen a Texans team have, given the stakes involved given who's playing quarterback um given who all was missing on both sides of the ball uh for this team and i think given the environment too you know it's tough it's a division foe who's coming off the biggest upset of the season against miami this past monday the titans were the biggest underdog to win a game this year so they're coming in with some confidence and that confidence showed on the opening drive then they get the pick six 
that was my favorite part, two favorite parts of this game. One, the Texans got bloodied in this game and they got punched in the face and they had to punch back and they did. They had to do it gradually because this offense was not explosive at all. They weren't going to be able to make up those 13 points quickly. It took them the whole game to do it. But I like that. And I, I'll be honest with you. I love the fact that that the Oiler uniforms are part of the storyline of this game and that those Titan fans had to sit there in Tennessee and experience a loss that there's probably a lot of Houston fans going, see, now you get to feel what that's like <laughs> in those Oiler in those Oiler uniforms. John, you, I know you're on the radio up in Nashville. You obviously talk to people up there. I do wonder, this is totally irrelevant from the game today, but it's something that 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 fascinates me. I wonder if people in Tennessee who I don't I'm guessing as a fan base probably cared a whole lot less than the Adams family cared about wearing those Oilers uniforms this weekend. I wonder if there's people feeling like put them away. Like we lose a game like that to to a team that's that depleted in our division, a division rival that's from Houston, by the way. I wonder if there's a lot of Titan fans going never again with these Oilers uniforms. Yeah, I don't think so. I think they really got into it and the reason they did get into it is they have those reunions up there every year and they have Warren Moon and Bruce Matthews Earl Campbell was there today and they bring back all the Oilers they treat them like royalty so Columbia Blue has been a big seller at their stadium and I don't know about around town but they can't keep those Columbia Blue jerseys in store because number one people like the color as they like the color here and they did wear them their first two years up there before they came the Tennessee Titans instead of the Tennessee Oilers. So they won't use them again until next year, and it's going to be an annual thing. Don't know if it'll be against the Texans. Mm-hmm. But uh, the fans have really gotten into it, uh, and they love having all those ex-players come in there. They do a lot of charity things. They do a lot of media, and they yeah. all talk about it. So it's funny. Billy White Shoes Johnson went to the Ring of Honor today, and I talked on one of the shows this week. I said nobody up there saw him unless it's on TV or YouTube, or unless they happen to live in Houston, which some people have moved up there, I know, from Houston for business. So they're giving polite applause, but uh, they have a lot of fun with it. I thought it was weird seeing the end zones with Oilers, seeing the Derrick at the middle of the field. And they'd already done that once this year, and they beat Atlanta, I think. And uh, so, yeah, there's people here. I've been looking out at all the tweets of people like, well, you take that Oilers stuff and stick it. And, if, and and Mike Vrabel took the dare from his players to wear a Stetson in honor of Bum Phillips. Of course, he didn't wear it, wear it at uh, during the game. But uh, if people don't like it, they should show up here when the Titans come in two weeks and boo the hell out of them. Yeah, I and actually well, no, I, fill every seat for a change. I, I, I totally, I totally agree with. I, I agree with that. Um, that they should show up here. I just feel like I. If I'm Mike Vrabel, I don't know. If I'm Mike Vrabel and you lose the game the way they lost it, getting a big lead in this game and losing to Case Keenum at quarterback and no Will Anderson, no Nico Collins, no C.J. Stroud, no Blake Cashman, no Jimmy Ward after the first quarter, no George Fant. I could go on and on and on. Um, I don't know. Things like walking around with a cowboy hat on during the pregame. I don't know. I look at it. It feels a little petty now that you lose a game like that, doesn't it? I don't think he'll be wearing that cowboy hat here because – it's indoors. The gentleman never wears a cowboy hat okay, indoors. Okay, that's why. All right, gotcha. Bum Phillips used to talk about that, why he took his cowboy hat off when he was playing at home. And I got to gauge this thing, John. I don't know. I feel if like I agree with everything. You have a better finger on the pulse in Nashville than I do, obviously, as to how they it feels. They don't give a rat. You know what the players don't about 
those I'm not uniforms. Talking about the, that's all the fans. I'm, I'm not talking about the players. That's what I'm saying. Like the fans, like if I were a fan and I were a fan of the Titans today, I'd be like, all right, well, scrap these uniforms. We lost to that team with that quarterback in a game that, by the way, they needed to keep their season alive. They're dead now. They can't finish with a winning record this year yeah, thanks to this anyway. loss. Dead in the water. But then what do you do when they blow another game to get rid of those uniforms? Uh, no, then they're just the Titans again. Columbia you know, Blue's they, here. The Columbia Blue up there is here to stay. And if the Texans keep pounding them, that's going to make it even better. Yeah, I'm not saying it's going away. I mean, Amy Adams has control over it. I don't think she – if there were fans saying we don't want them to wear – we don't want to wear these anymore because they're bad luck and they lost to the Texans, I don't think she'd listen to them one bit. I just like – they gave out pennants and things like that before the game. I want pictures – I requested on Twitter pictures – of the pennants in the garbage can after the game. I'm guessing there were a lot of angry Titan fans that took that Euler pennant at the very least and just tossed it in the garbage can <laughs> afterwards. Um, all right, John, you ready to do four stock up and four stock down for I'm this ready. bad boy? All right, let's do it. Four stock up, four stock down. Texans beat the Titans today, 19 to 16 in overtime, eight and six on the season. They're still sitting on the outside looking in in the playoff picture as a snapshot right now. They're the eighth seed still. So nothing's changed in two weeks as far as where they're seated. But there was a little bit of action with some of the teams around them in the standings this weekend. Pittsburgh loses. Denver loses. So they're both 7-7. Seven and seven. The Bills beat the Cowboys. They're 8-6. and six. And then the other three wildcard teams, Cleveland 9-5. and five. Uh, Cincinnati 8-6. and six, And um, Indianapolis 8-6. and six. Those are your 5-6-7 and seven seeds. The big one might be Jacksonville tonight, John. If they lose to the Ravens, we've got a three-way tie at the top of the AFC South heading into the final three games of the year. That's pretty fun. And the Jaguars have not been good at home. They've been better on the road. They've struggled lately. Baltimore trying to win home field advantage. The Ravens need to go in there, pound Trevor Lawrence, run the ball down their throats, and beat the Jaguars so the Texans can be in first place. That just Texans in first place, that just doesn't sound – Sounds like it's bizarro world. Yep. All right, let's uh, let's get to four stock up, four stock down for this game, John. Going to be hard to find stock downs for the Texans in this game, but we'll do our best. Maybe we find stock downs from somewhere else. John, you go first. I'm going with a guy that missed five games in a row with a thigh injury. Had to have been a bad one to miss five in a row. That'd be Kaimi Fairbairn. He came back. He had field goals of 23 and 27 yards, and I was complaining about those short ones. Kept saying, if you're not going to keep kicking those short field goals, you're going to get beat. And then he had field goals of 53 and 54 yards. He had a 50-yarder right before he got hurt in the last game that he played. But that was clutch. Two seconds left when he when they snapped the ball. No time left on the clock. Put it right down the middle. Could have been even longer. D'Amico Ryans gave him the game ball after the game, and everybody mauled him. So, uh, Kami Fairbairn is my first stock up. He is going to be the special teams player of the week in the AFC. Is he my should prediction. Be. Four field goals, an extra point, two of the field goals, 50 yards or longer, including the game winner in overtime to really help save the season may be a little extreme because they've, you know, they still got three games left. And if they were to win out and go 10 and seven, or I guess it'd be 10, six and one, if he misses that, then it's game ends in a tie. Um, what did you think about D'Amico playing for a 54-yard field goal at the end there? Kind of just letting the clock run down and I leave it up to Under the circumstances, it was surprising, but then I start, okay, I'm figuring it out. Well, he already kicked to 53. We know he's kicked longer than that. I was thinking like, okay, he's been off so long, but once he kicked that 53, it showed what he was capable of doing. And by the way, Sean, special teams were great today. Cam yeah. Johnston had a 46.7 
Gross, 43.8 net, three inside the 20. Steven Sims, he averaged yeah. 16.5 yards on punt returns, 23.7 on kickoff returns. I gave a bunch of A's, I think nine. I think yeah. I gave four A-pluses, and one of them was to special teams because they were special. Yeah, I think uh, D'Amico's decision at the end, John, probably had less to do with Kaimi's ability to make that field goal and more to do with the fact that other than the 41-yard play to De- to Devin Singletary in overtime, the Texans spent most of overtime going backwards <laughs> or running. Boy, that three. one series, two sides, yeah. and, and a minus on the completion, that might have been the worst series of the season. Well, and and they and, and I'll get to that in a second, but I think, I think D'Amico was more worried about having to try a 59-yarder if he ran a play on third down there, then he was about Kaimi missing Great a 54 point. yarder. You know what I mean? Um, as far as that played that series where they went backwards too. look, if you're looking to, to look at it, it, you know, winning the special teams battle, huge holding call on the Titans on that punt at the end of that series where Cam Johnston is punting from his own end zone, punts it to about midfield. The return guy for the Titans runs out of bounds somewhere like around the 50, like between the 50 and the Texans 45. I mean, you're just a few yards away. He was at the 47. Yeah, right, it's right in that area right there where if you move the ball seven or eight yards, you're going to get a look at a field goal if you want to try to end the game right there. That was a huge holding penalty because they mark it from where he catches the punt initially, not from where the return goes to. So they ended up with first and 10 at about their own 37 when they would have had first and 10 at the Texans 47. That's a massive, massive penalty. And then obviously the Texans defense is able to get off the field. Who knows? Maybe they get off the field on that first and 10, but you had at least had a little margin for error at that point. And the Titans aren't operating with serious momentum. If anything, that's just a kick in the junk right there. Um, my first stock up is Jonathan Grenard. Uh, he was amazing against ka-ching, today. Ka-ching. Yep. Two and a half sacks. He's up to 12 and a half sacks on the season. He's a completely disruptive force. He's really good in the run game. And I think – I don't know that there's a lot of people out there that were that were using this narrative or anything like that with Grenard. But you always wonder when you've got two really good defensive ends like that, and especially one with like Will Anderson who does draw a lot of attention. Will's one of the most double-teamed players in the league percentage-wise. Um, that, okay, how is John Grenard going to operate when he's got some combo platter of Derek Barnett and, and uh, uh, Hughes – uh, Jerry Hughes over there on the other side. He operated just fine. He's a Pro Bowl level defensive end, with or without Will Anderson on the other side. And I couldn't be happier for Jonathan Grenard, who again was massive, massive, massive in this game today. I think if they're going to keep him, they're going to have to franchise him because I think you got a guy who not is just a pass rusher, but is really good against the run. I'm thinking he's going to ask for an astronomical amount of money. They're not going to pay it, but they'll end up having to franchise him. And he's had, what, five five sacks or four and a half in the last two games? Four and a half in the last two games. Two well, last week, were, two and a half this week. rough on Will Levis. Man, oh, man. Yep, sure Bending were. him over backward on that last yep. play. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, John, it's they, they play him again in two weeks. I would imagine it's a huge question mark if Levis is even going to be able to play in that game based on how that injury looked. You know, he's able to walk off the field, but he was gimpy, gimpy, gimpy. Yeah. So who's your next one, John? Devin Singletary, um, 26 carries, 121 yards. He had the 41-yard catch and run in overtime to set up the uh, game-winning field goal. But um, he averaged 4.7 yards. That's his second-best game of the season. 
to the game at Cincinnati. The Texans, 148 yards rushing, is number two to Cincinnati when they where they ran for 188. But Singletary, 4.7, and he sure wish he'd gotten credit for that 34-yard touchdown in overtime. But he didn't, but he still – people saw him do it. He was fantastic. And I thought Case Keenum had some interesting stuff to say when he was doing his post-game interview when he said, I probably shouldn't be watching Motor. That's his nickname. Mm-hmm. I probably should carry out my fake. But sometimes <laughs> I just got to look at him because I see these quick moves he makes, quick cuts, the way he darts and squirts through the holes. So I'm going to say Devin Singletary. Yep, that's a good one. Um, all right, John, there's so many. Like the last, I mean, it could be Derek Stingley Jr. had a fantastic game today, I thought. I thought both the corners did. Steven Nelson with the big interception. Um, Noah Brown looked like Noah Brown again, uh, you know, like looked like the Noah Brown from weeks nine and 10 this week again, you know, able to get open. Um, and then just, there's a ton of Malik Collins, that sack Malik Collins had where he basically just threw Skaronsky in the center aside. Like it was like, there was a sliding glass door that wasn't working and he stuck his fingers in and just went like this and then darted in between both of them to get a sack. Um, but my last one's going to be Dalton Schultz whose stats didn't jump off the page, four catches for 58 yards, but it felt like all the catches were big and none bigger than the one where he stole the interception away from McCreary on that, what really what was an ill-advised throw by Case Keenum. We had Dalton on the post-game show today, John, and I, I asked him about that particular play, and he made it sound like it was drawn up sort of that way, but I'm, I'm going, oh, it's really drawn up for him to throw it up to grabs. It is drawn up for Dalton to be sort of a fail-safe for him. Like if, the, if what they're looking for isn't there, then Dalton coming across on the backside of the formation, the backside of the the, the the route tree is what is is what's called for. But Case is throwing that thing up for grabs. Dalton Schultz might have saved the season, John, with that play where he ripped that interception and set up first and goal at the three-yard line. Absolutely. And he couldn't come back from that hamstring injury in a better situation than this one. It we don't know how long Strouds are going to be out. He may not be back next week, but you hope Nico Collins is, Will Anderson Jr., Blake Cashman, because they're going to need him because every game's a must-win situation. Two of the three are at home. But, man, oh, man, did Schultz come back at just the right time and came through big time. That's why they paid him. A lot of guys that played well today, like Schultz and Singletary, those guys are on one-year contracts. Grenard yes, is are. up. So Nick Casario is going to be real busy trying to re-sign his players that are producing big. No, no doubt about it. No, I mean I think John, when you bring up the franchise tag for Grenard, you know that might be a way to hang on to to Dalton Schultz too. If if the price of poker gets a little high, I don't know what the tag number is for a for a tight end. I, who are the the highest paid tight ends? And it may be a little high actually because you're probably getting into 15, 16, 18 million dollars there for a year of Dalton Schultz. But who knows? Maybe you know you can only tag one of them. Grenard is probably the one. You're probably right about that. Although that's going to be a pricey tag for a defensive end. Ooh, sure is. My lord. Okay. It's what well, happens when you start winning? You got to start paying. Absolutely. No. Cam Johnston, his contract's up. The only one they gave a three-year deal to. He's yep. been fantastic. Kaimi's contract is up. <laughs> you know, they both they got to take care of both their specials. They all have all their agents call Casario Monday morning and tell them they're ready. They're ready to talk. Yeah, that would be nice. Um, all right, John, stock down, four stock down for these uh, for this game. 1916, the Texans beat the Titans. Go ahead. I've got one, uh, Juice Scruggs, the left guard, mm-hmm. and he did a good job of run blocking, but Danico Autry worked him over for two sacks. So I'd say Scruggs 
And uh, I hate to do that because overall the offensive line played well, run blocking, and only two of the sacks were their fault. But I'm going with Scruggs. Well, and I give you permission as well to include Scruggs as a residual from last week for being the guy that rode uh, Quinn and Williams down with C.J. Stroud uh, on that play where Stroud went out with a concussion. I think it was Scruggs who gave up the pressure to Quinn and Williams on that play. He at least was the one that was kind of pushing Quinn and Williams into C.J. Stroud on that play. So, John, I by virtue of the corollary of – too many stock downs to give out last week. I hereby decree that you can also factor that into your stock down. So don't, I say all this to say, don't feel bad about it, John. Okay. I won't feel bad. Okay. That's, that's all. Um, my first one is Damian Pierce who could not be more off the grid. He's just a backup running back on this team who got one carry for three yards today. Um, there were several runs in this game. And especially John, when you look at it from the angle behind the quarterback, you know, when they, they show that angle, and they show Devin Singletary's ability to either make a guy miss or jut into a hole. There were there were so many plays today where I felt like Damian Pierce would have just put his head down and run into the back of the guard on that play. There's just no shiftiness or nuance to his game. He's a bull in a china shop. That obviously works in certain offenses. It worked in a horrible offense last year with the Texans, but – I'm real skeptical about what his future is with this team, John. Honestly, like I, there's especially because running backs are a dime a dozen. They can very easily go out and find a few running backs next year that fit much better running style wise into what Bobby Slowick wants to do offensively. And I hate to say that because I don't know that there's a, a like a player as a person who I've enjoyed more interacting with and covering than Damian Pierce. He's just a delight, but he's he he's behind Daria Gumbawale essentially right now in the running back rotation. Would He might end up being like Steve Slayton. Steve Slayton ran for about yep. 1,300 yards under Kubiak. He fit the system perfectly, yep. and then he disappeared. Yep. Yeah, and, and Slayton, I thought, disappeared because he put on too much weight. Remember, he came back in 2009, and he looked like he ate Steve Slayton. Um, <laughs> Pierce, uh, Pierce, I think, trimmed down this year, and he's kind of running like it too. He's not as physical as he was. Last year, I feel like maybe I'm off base on that. I'd love to see him figure it out because if somebody offers Singletary any money that because Casario will have a budget, if yeah. they don't reach the budget, they're gone. Yeah. So if Singletary gets more money from another team, say Miami wants him or San Francisco because they play the same system and he's gone, then they either find a new one like him or they hope Pierce has figured it out. Yeah, I think they find a new one like him. They may even draft one like him too, and the you know with one of their picks this year, who knows. Um, John, what's your next stock down? Um, Case Keenum took the blame for the pick six, as you knew he would. But if I'm trying to figure out who went through, he threw it wrong, or Dario Gumbawale went, turned wrong, yeah, I'm going I, with Dari. I am too. <laughs> and so I'm going to say Dari Gumbawale or Case Keenum, whoever was at fault for the pick six. I don't want to unfairly blame Gumbawale because – but you knew Case, he took all the blame, said he shouldn't have done it. His, he said his feet got it. He just, something about his feet got ahead of him. But uh, that was the worst play of the game for them. And uh, and it could have been catastrophic if they had not been able to rally. Yeah, that's a good one. I had forgotten about the pick six and the uh, how it went, how it came about. I'm guessing it was probably Dare. I think Case is playing in that game because he doesn't do things like that, <laughs> you know. Um, 
I am going to say for this last one, see, this is tricky because I thought I, it's hard for me. I don't want to get too particular about things that a little, little picky things that Bobby Slowick did that got under my skin in this game because they won the game and he was operating with a, uh, he had the deck stacked against him today. I'll just say this, this is not a stock down, but on first and goal from inside the five yard line, Ooh. running, Ooh. running the ball is a wasted down, down there. Bobby. Okay. He's just saying, Terry, right just, there. Do do what you did on third down, which is let Case drop back and let him scramble a little bit to his right, and one of your veteran wide receivers will find a nice soft spot like Noah Brown did. Do that three times. Do you do that three times? You're going to score. You run the ball three times up the middle. You're probably have to you're gonna have to try to run it a fourth time to get it into the end zone right now. So that that's not a stock down. That's just advice from me, regular guy who knows one one hundredth of what Bobby Slowick knows about football, giving advice to Bobby Slowick. My stock down, and I feel equally bad about this one, John, because we've been operating sort of on a sliding scale with this guy because he's coming back from cancer last year. But I'm going to go John Mechie because of the holding penalty on what would have been the game-winning touchdown and because John Mechie just still is not really making an impact for this football team. Like not even like little three-catch for 32-yard chain movers or anything. He's I don't know if it's just because he's not connecting with the quarterbacks. I don't know if he's open and they're just not throwing it to him. I need to watch probably watch the all 22 to see how open he's getting or not getting. Um, but uh, we've been through almost a full season here. Like John, we're at the stage of the season, John, where if John Mechie's playing, then he's open to criticism. Okay. And maybe he's a different player next year. And I hope that's the case um, that he shakes the rust off. But it, you know, if, if I'm not going to criticize John Mechie, then I'm not going to criticize other guys who are playing with actual injuries, like in-season injuries right now. Okay, you know, if you're suffering from something physically or medically, you're, 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 you have an umbrella from, from criticism here. Um, John, John it's, I've been disappointed since the wide receiving core got depleted with Tank's injury a couple games ago that John Mechie hasn't shown up more. Yeah, uh, I thought he the might holding show up, yes. Yeah, the holding penalty is the icing on the cake for that one. I didn't see the rerun. It sh- I don't think they showed one to see if it was a legitimate call, but they called it quick. It was. It, they showed it. It was legitimate, and that guy might have tackled Devin Singletary if Mechie didn't hold him, probably. Yeah. So that I take a little solace in that. If he were holding some guy all the way on the other side of the field, that's where that's what bad bad teams do. Um, it, it was within the flow of the play, and it didn't feel quite as bad, only because you knew you had, you had kind of a mulligan there because you knew you were gonna. If, as long as you didn't screw it up, you knew you were gonna get a field goal attempt to win the game, which they did, and they converted, but. Yeah, like I felt, and especially as a Devin Singletary fantasy owner, John, I could have used those extra thirty yards in the tutty <laughs> there at the end of the game. Um, but well, mine will be got uh, greedy because he had one hundred and seventy. I know, I know. I'm, I need it all. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> um, so, uh, so there you go, uh, John. Your report card is up on SportsRadio610.com. It is, and uh, I've gave a lot of A's, just like last week. I gave a lot of F's. I thought it was really? a great coaching job to rebound from that shellacking at MetLife Stadium, and then they have all the players out. It's so funny. Neither one of us picked Case in the in the top four. The only, but, uh, yeah, he wasn't great. He was good. He made clutch plays. But the people we picked were great. Yeah. But I can't wait to see if he's going to start this next game. Everybody hopes Stroud will be back, but Stroud's got to go through the protocols. He's got to – be on the field for walkthrough before he goes through the regular practice. I'll, so there's I'll, a chance he won't be. Yeah, I'll say this. I think this game makes me feel better that if, if CJ can't go, that the solution being case is one that you can go win a football game. Absolutely. With. It's Another Joe Flacco. Thing. 
Flacco's on the other side. He threw three picks today. You know, it's he also threw three hundred something yards and a winning touchdown. Yeah, no, he 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 did. Now the defense needs to show up in this game. There's no question about it. The Cleveland Browns. I mean, Amari Cooper's still out there. David and Joku is still out there. Flacco's kind of feeling himself right now a little bit. So they're going to need to show up big time defensively in this game for sure. Texans are going to shut down the run because they shut down everybody's run. It's going to come down to Flacco. They should be able to get to him because he's a statue. And one of the Browns' best linemen went out, Joel Batonio. I don't know if he came back or what his status is, but this is going to be a fun physical game. And I feel bad for whoever goes up against Miles Garrett. And you hope Will Anderson Jr. and the other injured players will be able to come back. But this, to me, was the best defensive play of the game of the season. They've given up 66 yards in another game. The fewest was 44 in the loss at Carolina. So this was number two, and I think they will totally shut down uh, Jerome Ford and uh, uh, Kareem Hunt. Yeah, Kareem Hunt. And it'll all come down to Flacco trying to throw the ball down the field. On the road in a little hostile environment, right? Unlike the Jacksonville game and the Chicago game today, you know he'll be. He, those two games were in Cleveland. Uh, you know this one will be hopefully a loud, raucous Christmas Eve crowd, ready to celebrate two things: Texans football and the birth of Jesus Christ. Yeah, and you know Case got to feel much better because he only started two games in four years. Now that he has this one under his belt, it totally. was on the road. He's yep. got so many fans here. If they just get all the Cougar fans out here. Yep. So I think if Case is starting, people are going to be pumped about that. Can you imagine if they get their first crowd of the season where, like CJ, the guy who's been begging for people to show up to games this year, <laughs> and then Case starts and the place is packed at kickoff. <laughs> Oh, man, what a storyline that'll be. Uh, Hopefully it's CJ starting in this game. I think I echo everybody's sentiments there, including Case Keenum. I think Case Keenum wants CJ Stroud to start in this game. Uh, All right, John, um, well, we'll check out your report card, flush full of A's uh, at sportsradio610.com, and you and I will do this again on Tuesday, mailbag episode. I look forward to it, and I'll have my column posted on sportsradio610.com early in the morning. It'll be looking at just a game in general, things we've talked about. Sean, thank you very much as always. And Merry Christmas and happy holidays to you and everybody who was watching. Yes, absolutely. You too, John. Appreciate all of you tuning in. Again, mailbag at gmail.com. That's how you get us questions for the mailbag episode this week. I'd imagine this is a game that probably is tailor-made for mailbag questions and what-ifs and things like that. Some of the decisions made by D'Amico in that game. I would imagine there's some great mailbag questions you guys can come up with. So send them to HOUmailbag at gmail.com. And John and I will be back on Tuesday um, for uh, another episode for the mailbag episode. Begin to dig into Cleveland and their Christmas Eve battle with the Texans. Um, So for the Hall of Famer, John McClain, I am Sean Pendergast. By the way, click that subscribe button. You'll get the podcast automatically wherever you get your podcast. We're out of time. We'll see all of you on Tuesday. Congrats to the Texans on a big win. Merry Christmas and happy holidays. Have a great week, everybody.